0: Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Glory be to thee, o Lord. So James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right and one at your left hand, in your glory. So Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We we are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the gospel of our Lord. Great hymn selection. A Lenten hymn this week for a day for a martyr. So um, if you could, if you feel the cause to wander during the sermon uh, with your eyes, please uh, flip to the front page of your bulletin and just... uh, think on this and pray on this as I'm preaching. Um, We have two soldiers here, one that's about to execute uh, St. James. We have James on his knees about to be martyred, and we have Jesus who is present with him even in his hour of death, even though James was not present with Jesus in his hour of death. How merciful and full of steadfast love is our Lord Jesus. So what would Jesus do, right? Everyone has worn the bands. What would Jesus do? Oriental Trading Company, probably their stock went up like this when What Would Jesus Do came out. We all had thousands of them laying around our house, our churches, VBSs, and so on. With the end goal being something so pure, the, uh, the condensation of the Christian message... How can I be like Jesus? How can I live like Jesus? I've been baptized. I remember it each day. I'm taking his body and his blood each week. I'm reading his word each day. It fills my life. When I'm alone, when I'm waiting in the doctor's office, I'm in prayer, talking to my God. My conscience is being fed Little do I know it, I'm becoming more like Jesus every minute, every hour. And I don't even know it. But I've decided I want to be like him. How can I be like Jesus? Well, imagine two excited, chipper, masculine young men, brothers, romping the Palestinian countryside with their teacher, this prophet and miracle worker, Jesus. These two young men are named James. We call him the greater or the elder because he's the older brother. And John, his brother. Some call them the sons of Zebedee. Zebedee, a notable fisherman in the area. Had a pretty awesome business that they left behind to follow Christ. But Jesus calls them the the sons of thunder. Most likely because they asked Jesus to smite with lightning, those who refuse to have faith in him one day. It's pretty crazy. But, you know, what else do you do when you're young? You want to see the action, right? So these young brothers, they're full of youthful zeal. They ask Jesus a very naive question. They say, Jesus, can we sit at your right hand and your left hand when you come into your glory? When your kingdom is here on earth, when you're a king, can we sit at your right hand and your left hand? But Jesus says, you do not know what you're asking. Can you be baptized with my baptism? Can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? asks Jesus. For God's kingdom is not of glory and of power, but of the cross. Jesus will come into his true ultimate glory on the cross. And the ones on his right and his left hand are criminals crucified with him. And so we bear our crosses after him. The pagans who rule, the president of your United States, the governor of your state of Illinois, they lord their authority over you. They take delight in telling you what to do and what you can't do, what to wear, what not to wear, when to worship, how to worship. They love doing it because it means they're in control. There's no glory in that kind of power. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be a slave to the rest. For even as the Son of Man Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom payment for the sins of all. No one needs to be on a board. No one needs to be the head of a prayer vine. No one needs to be the president of a congregation. For the glory isn't in your authority or your position or your rank. What is needful is thankless service and the living witness of the gospel to our congregation first, to the the kids of our congregation, to give them a reason to keep worshiping at this altar in the decades to come, and a living witness to the people of Elk Grove Village Why does that pastor of that church between the middle school and the high school, why does he stop and talk with me when I ask him questions? I wonder if the people that go to that church also will listen to what I have to say. I'm going to go check it out. It seems like everyone that I talk to from that church, they make time for me. When even my kids won't call me. And so this living witness to your congregation, to your family, to the children of others that are now starting to have kids in your congregation, to your city. This living witness may perhaps even result in suffering. It may even result in what you think is suffering, but isn't really suffering. Maybe a moment's Uncomfortableness. Maybe it will lead to death. Who knows? Because, as we know, I think it was the first sermon that I preached here people do not want to hear the truth, but you have to tell the truth no matter what. Your promise of comfort is not that you'll never suffer, not that you'll never experience pain or discomfort for the gospel, but that you will be remembered by Christ on the last day if you're faithful. You will receive the crown of glory on the last day if you're faithful, a living witness to, much, to whom who much has been given, much will be required of you. But first, you're conformed to his image as Paul puts it in our epistle, as James lived it. For Jesus' sake, we are killed and regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. It's an Isaiah quote. And Paul gets a lot of um, uh, run for his money out of this Isaiah quote. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, living sacrifices in thanksgiving to God for his glory, that we would be counted worthy to suffer and die just as his son is. If Jesus is the perfect man, the perfect person, then in perfection, we suffer and die for the gospel on his behalf, for his message, for his word, for his truths. For he is the truth, the divine logos, the way, the truth, and the life. But in all of this, we are more than conquerors through him, Paul says. He continues, for Jesus's death is unique. Jesus alone is baptized with our sin. In the wrath, the fire of God's wrath on the cross, he alone drinks the cup of God's wrath against our filthiness that he takes on on the cross. And then it's gone. We live now. We carry our crosses. We serve one another and those who are seen as nothing because of Jesus's example. Jesus alone is the Son of Man. He has come to give his life as a ransom payment for many. He came to pay for the debt of your sin on the cross. To pay for what you owe. Today, the church commemorates the fulfillment of Christ's Christ's prophecy. About a certain someone, about a James. The older one, not the younger one, who wrote the epistle. James, the older brother of John. He was killed with Herod's sword, to the pleasure of the Jews, to the pleasure of those crowds, to the Sanhedrin, to all those people who denied Christ and led to his death. If you can see on the cover of your bulletin, James is kneeling there. Maybe he's kneeling in the mud. He's in front of laughing scoffers, and he's awaiting his beheading he knows what's coming jesus whispers are you able to drink the cup that i drink or be baptized with the baptism with which i am baptized and he and his brothers answer that seems stupid at the time but now he gets echoes through his brain we are able And so kneeling there in the mud is James. No music, no excellent canter accompanying him. No fanfare, just cold silence. As James prays Psalm 56, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long attackers oppress me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. But when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And then the sword comes down. He's honored to be the first apostle to be conformed to the image of God's son. His son dead on a cross for the sins of all people. He's the first to die for the gospel, to die for Christ's sake. Now he's just like Jesus. He's just like the one that he loves, that taught him all those things that went to the cross and suffered and died for him. He's just like him now. He died for the gospel. And yet we get at the end of the reading, the Acts reading... For some reason, at the exact same time, right, James and Peter are arrested. But for some reason, God rescues Peter from prison with an army of angels. Why? Why does James die and Peter keep on living? Why? Only God knows. Some of us will be rescued from a situation as God demands and as we would like it. And some of us are called by Christ himself to show dignity, honor, and respect to his name in the crosses that we are given to carry every day. Because of our baptism, whatever happens to Jesus happens to you. Because we're baptized into his death and his resurrection, whatever Jesus says We say. In all this, we die each day because we remember first that when we were baptized, we died. And it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. We have already died so that suffering that we face each day can be done, can be conquered by Christ who lives in me. This is the meaning of. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But now we have new life. To live, to honor him, to suffer for his glory, and not our own, giving that suffering meaning and dignity. So what is that when Christ Jesus has died? More than that is raised... And is at the right hand of our God interceding for us? Paul asks this question. And he gives us an excellent answer. It's rhetorical. He says it means that now nothing, not even a sword separating James's head from his body, nothing can separate James or you or I from the love of Christ Jesus.